0: Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Derek Terry from our Kentucky 24-7 site to talk about a little basketball game coming up this weekend. Might be the biggest game in the history of Auburn Arena. One of the biggest home games in the history of Auburn basketball. Um, Derek, I know Kentucky fans are probably pretty tired of hearing that every single game they play is the biggest game for the opponent, but this game is... It's the highest ranked matchup. So Kentucky comes in at 12. Auburn comes in at number two. Plenty of implications for the SEC regular season championship race and the player of the year race. Um, It'll just be incredible, incredible game noon central time um, on CBS. But Derek, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. How are uh, how are things going in Lexington these days?
1: It's been a terrible winter up here for, for Kentucky standards. So you just had our third round of snow, which actually wasn't as bad as predicted. So I'm happy about that. But uh, it's been very cold. Yeah, it's going to get very cold this weekend. Um, but other than that, it's been good, man. Looking forward to this, uh, this game on Saturday for sure. I was trying to go through and just trying to think about other SEC games that Kentucky has played in over the past few years that would kind of meet this kind of magnitude or not maybe – I don't know. I couldn't even really think of one off the top of my head. I mean, uh, what Auburn's done these past few seasons and how they've started this season. Um, I mean, it should be kind of a point appointment viewing TV, really, if you're a college basketball fan on Saturday.
0: Yeah, good ch- for me. Good chance, you know, to be that game of the year in the conference. Um, should be one of the best games overall of the season, like we talked about, um, you know, just with both teams now, Kentucky getting the win at Texas AM. Um, if Kentucky wins this game, they will move into a tie with Auburn. Now, head-to-head doesn't matter, as we've, we've learned over the years. Um, doesn't matter for, a, for the SEC championship race, so they move into first place there with Auburn, and then if Auburn wins, they kind of grab a stranglehold there of the top spot. But um, let's talk about what Kentucky did this week a little bit because they didn't have the luxury Auburn did. Auburn got to get ready for its biggest game in Auburn Arena ever by welcoming in the worst team in the SEC um, in Georgia now, they didn't get caught looking ahead. They handled business. They, they covered spread, all that good stuff. Um, but Kentucky, kind of the opposite end of things. Um, they had to go at the beginning of the week, two road games against the only undefeated teams left in the SEC, uh, but they passed their first test of the week on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, that was a, a big win. You know, Texas A&M uh, saw that it was a sell. I, I guess it was the largest crowd they've ever had at that arena last night. So uh, it's just kind of life on the on the road in the sec for when kentucky comes to town but this was a texas a&m team that based on ken palm you know is still not all that highly thought of i think they went into the game 60th. they actually went up a spot uh despite losing last night but uh, and on paper they had started 4-0 in the sec had one of the eight straight games going into that game and uh Lenardi had them as, I think, his first team out. And, you know, bracketology, it's still super early for those things. We still have, you know, over a month and a half left of basketball to be played. Um, But that was a game clearly Texas A&M had had circled on its calendar. Uh, People were fired up for the game. And Kentucky probably played its, I would say, C to C- minus game. Um, I don't think they played all that well. Really, it was the fewest amount of points they scored the season while winning a game. So... I think they found a way, they kind of proved to themselves they could kind of gut out a victory because this season, those final four minutes at Notre Dame, it was the top of the game where they'd struggled to score. At LSU, you know, had kind of a caveat to it just because Xavier Wheeler missed most of that game and then Tata Washington also had cramps in the second half. So that was a game You know, they kind of had some circumstances that are different than a typical game. Um, but they couldn't really close out those games on the road. And while Texas a and is not a great team by any means, it'll probably be a team that – maybe stays around the bubble all year seeing how this thing goes from here on out but kentucky shoots 36 percent, 22 from three um barely out rebounded texas a&m and yet they found a way to win and i think that was a sign of a pretty good team especially for what kentucky has been these past few years notably last year obviously um really struggled last season as a team um, but one thing that did happen in that game last night that hadn't I don't know if you want to call it the law averages or what, but Kentucky had been giving up quite a few three-pointers uh, um, in SEC play. And Texas A&M went one for 22 from three last night. So not going to win many games. And then they also went five for 13 from the free throw line. So, like I said, I would say both teams probably left last night, I you know, they didn't play their best. But obviously one team had to win, and Kentucky, um, I thought, grew up a little bit last night. And I don't think they were going into that game overlooking – Texas a and either way but I do think just in terms of the matchup I mean it felt like you kind of had to get through this to to set up that big matchup on Saturday
0: yeah luckily for both of us both teams go unscathed in the midweek game so that that matchup on Saturday is just as big yeah Auburn players yesterday after the game said you know we didn't talk about or think about Kentucky at all leading up to Wednesday's game and you're saying <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about think about. I don't doubt at all that Bruce Pearl didn't bring it up, of course. But, you know, eh, it's pretty big. It's a pretty big game that people have been buzzing about um, for the past few days. I wanted to go back just a couple days for that, though, um, to the Tennessee. I mean, everyone was talking about the Tennessee game over the weekend. Just how shocking was that performance? Because I didn't even realize until after the fact, um, Tennessee was the number two defensive team in the country in Ken Palm. And during that game and Kentucky had, what, the best, best offensive performance in terms of shooting percentage of, of John Calipari's career.
1: Yeah, I mean it was pretty stunning. Um, there, there were some built-in. I don't want to use that word. There was built-in in one regard that that was Kentucky was supposed to play Louisville at home this season back in December, and Louisville had some COVID issues in its program, so that game um, just got canceled. They swapped it out for Western Kentucky, so that was supposed to be the first like big matchup post you know pandemic. Um, well, post you know crowds being back in attendance, things like that. And the way it worked out, really, that made Tennessee that game. So there, were, there was already quite a quite a good buzz. And Tennessee had won its last two games at Rupp Arena. Uh, Rick Barnes has done pretty well against Kentucky since he's been at Tennessee. He's done well overall for the most part, uh, given t- Tennessee's historical standards. Um, so people were already fired up for that game. And then that morning the news came that former head coach Joby Hall had passed away. And that was expected. He had, he had been ill for a little while. But I think you just kind of add that up with that motivation, Um, plus the home crowd really into it, wanting to beat a rival. And, I mean, even that, I don't think anyone could have predicted that they would score 107 points. Like you said, Ken Palm had Tennessee as the number two ranked defense in the country. But it was just one of those days where Kentucky had good looks and they were pretty much hitting everything. I mean, there was at one point, I think there was like 15 minutes left in the game, and Kentucky was shooting 80% from the floor. I mean, it was – Uh, just a performance you're probably not going to replicate the rest of the season. I I think Kentucky and Tennessee have now played uh, 233 times all time, and that was the most points Kentucky's ever scored against those guys. So, I mean, it was truly a kind of a historical performance um, on Saturday, but it shot them way up, the the Ken Palm rankings. I think Kentucky was like ninth going into that game, and they got up to number three that night, dropped back down to number five before playing again last night. So they're back at number three for now, so – Offensively, though, this has been a team that has been much better uh, than previous years, especially last year. Kind of the thing last year was you know, Kentucky was not a terrible defensive team last season, but the offense was so bad they lost several games where they just basically couldn't break 65 points to get a win. And this year it's been much different. I mentioned earlier that 64 points is um, the lowest scoring total they've had in a victory this season. But you go look at UK, they put up 98 on North Carolina, um, 107 Tennessee, 92 against Georgia. Uh, and then against Vanderbilt, they were up by 28 on the road. Did, did not close that game well at all. They uh Vanderbilt actually went on a 16-0 run <laughs> to close the game. Kentucky did not score the final six minutes. But, you know, they were already up by nearly 30 points, and that game was never really in doubt. But by Ken Palm, right now they're a top-five offense, and they finally broke into the top 20 on defense.
0: Yeah, one thing I've been telling people to expect on Saturday, I mean, these are two teams that, obviously, Kentucky's probably not going to shoot like that away from Rupp. <laughs> yeah. Um but when Auburn gets hot at home, they're a really good shooting team, really good offensive team. Kentucky's got so much, like you talked about, so much talent that's going to allow them to be consistent on offense. And obviously Ken Palm thinks they're a fantastic offensive team. Now we'll, we'll get into the matchup here and just say I wanted to do one more question just about, you know, kind of the perspective of this. Um, Auburn had lost 18 straight games to Kentucky overall, regardless of where they, I mean, they still have one in Rupp in forever, but regardless of where the game's were being played. They had lost 18 straight until a win in Auburn arena over what I understand was not an incredible Kentucky team, um, but Auburn its like 2016. um, The fans stormed the court and everything since then, including that game, Auburn's won four of the last five games in the series played inside Auburn arena. And actually the last time Kentucky won was during that final four season when Auburn kind of got redemption at the end of the year, Um, just kind of for Kentucky fans and just kind of that community and that fan base and that program overall what is the perception of Auburn and how has it changed over the past, you know, five or six years under Bruce Pearl in terms of, you know, Auburn would like to think it's a competitive, it's a good rival for Kentucky at this point. I don't know how Kentucky fans feel about that.
1: I mean, I think Bruce Pearl is a a bit of a polarizing guy in the fan base. Obviously he spent time at, at Tennessee, which was, you know, depending on who you talk to in this part of the state would tell you is, is maybe Kentucky's biggest rival, but I think there has to be a, a respect for what he's done at both of those programs. Uh, like you said, he took Auburn to the Final Four – or, yeah, beat Kentucky in 2019 to go to the Final Four, and he also had Tennessee back in the day, uh, a game away from going to the Final Four. So there's no doubt that uh, as a coach, I mean, I think you have to respect what he's been able to do. Um, and I think right now, uh, throughout my lifetime anyway, kind of who – and again, Kentucky – I'm 20, I'll be 28 this year and, you know, pre Calipari. I mean, kind of everybody was beating Kentucky, but you know, once Cal kind of got there and I don't know if you want to say things were restored. I mean, they've clearly been the top program in the league since Cal has been back there and historically they've by far been the best, but who Kentucky's biggest rival was at the time. It's kind of rotated. Tennessee was good when he got here. Florida well, was still pretty good with Billy Donovan there. And Auburn was, you know, truly under Tony Barbie, just a terrible program. I think everybody would probably agree with that, even down there. And what Pearl's done there, like you said, um, I think in the 18-game winning streak, I want to say Pearl was only there for, what, two or three of those games? I think it might be – was 2015 his first season?
0: Yeah, it was 15. Well, I it's think the it was 14 to
1: 15. 14-15, yeah. So it looks like they played twice that year. Any clear – I mean, that was uh, – a great Kentucky team, won 38 straight games that year before losing in the Final Four. So, not, obviously, no one would expect Auburn to be able to kind of compete with a program like that. But what he's done since, I mean, this definitely feels like a statement game for Kentucky. I mean, you don't get a ton of these opportunities in the league because, especially when Cal got here, I mean, this league was was not good. It was They had multiple seasons where they went undefeated in the SEC, and there was really no other team that was – even kind of close to what they were. But that's kind of dipped a little bit. Uh you saw Alabama last year had a great season. Um LSU has had some years here and there where they've been very good. And then of course Auburn uh, has has been there these past few years. Went to the final four 2019. I want to say that 2020 season before it got canceled had another really good team. What yeah, two wins, seed, I think.
0: But yeah, the two yeah. seed behind Kentucky. So they were hoping they could make some noise in Nashville.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I think this is definitely uh And just me on a personal level, I kind of want to brag on that fan base for what they've turned it into. I've been to Auburn Arena for three games. I've covered three games there. Um, The one you mentioned where Kentucky won during Auburn's Final Four season and then the year Shagel, just Alexander, was there. uh, Auburn won that game. And then in 2020 with Tyrese Maxey and and those guys, Auburn won that game as well. I I mentioned Texas A&M having kind of a sold-out, like their largest crowd ever last night. Like, that is – Kind of par for the course for Kentucky when it goes on the road. But you see what Auburn's done with that arena. I watched them play Florida earlier this year. Um, You know, that place is always packed out and going crazy. Will it be amped up a little bit since Kentucky's going to be there in such a big matchup? I'm sure. But I think Auburn, more than some other programs in this league, has done such a great job establishing, like, a true home court advantage where – you probably turn on the next Texas A&M game, and it's maybe going to be half the people there that were just there last night. And again, Auburn's arena is smaller compared to some of the other arenas in the league. But I think what Pearl has done there in order to energize that basketball fan base and make it such a difficult place is uh, – I think, I think Auburn deserves a lot of credit for that.
0: I think it's a perfect storm between what you talked about with it being the, the smaller arena they – really intelligent decision early on to put the students on the floor yeah. makes a makes a big difference um, but I, I mean I agree with you talking about some other arenas I went to Tuscaloosa um, for that game that Auburn won over Alabama um, a couple of weeks ago my little brother goes to Alabama that was first Alabama basketball game he had ever gone to and from what I understand that was the case for many of his other friends mm-hmm. so like you talked about when it's like when Kentucky I'm not trying to compare Auburn immediately to Kentucky but like when when those kinds of teams come to town and then you look at I know Alabama got the win last night, but you look at their crowd against LSU, it just drops way off. And so, yeah, I mean, this Bruce Pearl said it. I know it got some Kentucky fans kind of upset. Bruce Pearl said it a couple of weeks ago that this fan base is traveling, um, like Kentucky fans. And 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 you know what? It doesn't hurt that the football team had a disappointing season, and now they can kind of push all their cards toward a toward a hopeful basketball season. But um, now let's get into this matchup a little bit and what we've got with these two teams. Um, Bruce said yesterday after the game, as we're recording this on Thursday he thinks this might be Calipari's most talented team since that team that went undefeated um, back in, in 2012. Right. Um, I know that's, you know, Bruce likes to praise other teams and likes to give as much praise as possible. Um, but it, I mean, it seems like in terms of depth, at least this Kentucky
1: team can, that that can go a long way for this team. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't think this team's anywhere near as talented as the 2015 team um, that, you know, basically played 10 guys, and most of those guys made it to the NBA. And obviously the 2012 team, which I saw <laughs> he was talking to the crew last night, whoever, I, I think Tom Hart might have been there for that game last night. I don't know who the other color commentator was. But uh, no, this team is not quite that 2012 Kentucky team, but this is uh, clearly a much more improved. And, and one, I think one of the big storylines here, and it's not going to matter for Saturday's game at all, but Shaden Sharp, who's the number one player in the country, uh he's enrolled and he hasn't played yet cal is basically saying he's not gonna play but there seems to be some thought that he will end up playing and uh, i think that could maybe change his team a little bit too if he's truly that kind of elite caliber uh, number one player in the country type which you know consensus wise he was out of all these guys kentucky assigned over the year i mean over the years anthony davis new noel um John Wall was near the top of his class. You know, Sharp was the only true consensus number one that they've had. Wow. Prior to him reclassifying, so I don't, I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid. And again, like it's not going to matter for for this matchup. But maybe if he's playing and these two teams see each other again in the uh, SEC tournament or something like that, then maybe that'll be a storyline. But. Um, I'll say that to say that this team, I think, is really rounding into to form pretty well. Xavier Wheeler just had a pretty bad night last night. He did lead the team in scoring, and he actually hit two threes, which is a rarity for him. He almost never makes a three-point shot. He doesn't really attempt many, and he doesn't make very many. But he had a career-high eight turnovers. Um, so it wasn't a great game for him, and Tata Washington didn't shoot the ball well. Kellen Grady had a pretty bad night. But when this team has been clicking, and I would say the average you know play for this team, I think – You're seeing Tata Washington quietly, you know, have one of the better freshman seasons at Kentucky in the past few years. Oscar Sheboy has gotten a lot of the headlines, and he's been great. I think he's averaging 16 and 14 now. I mean, he's just been a force. I don't know if he moved down after last night, but going into last night's game, he was the number one player overall in Ken Palm, most valuable or whatever he has at Player of the Year, however he lists it. A couple of good role players that are upperclassmen, and, and Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin. Uh, Keon Brooks, you know, he was a foster kid out of high school. He's he's a junior at UK, which doesn't happen a ton. A lot of guys either transfer or are already off to the NBA by the time they get to the stage that he's at. He's not not the most consistent guy, but he's had games in the past uh, where he can kind of go off against Tennessee last year. He was by far their best player, scored in the twenties. Uh, but Topping, it seems like those two. If one of the guys isn't playing well, the other seems to be. So at that four spot, they've I guess they've been fortunate in that regard that they've always gotten some kind of production out of that position. But going back to Grady, he went one for nine last night from three, which dropped his three-point percentage for the season down two whole points. But he was shooting 45%, which I think only Jamal Murray and maybe Deron Lamb uh, have shot a higher percentage than that from three under Cal. So he's you know kind of the sniper type back there. So I think there's a lot to like. And then uh, add Davion Minson as a six-man, someone who um, – Played pretty well last night, had a career-high eight rebounds to, to help him get out of there. So I think this is a very good team, but it's not it, – it is a deep team, but it kind of lacks that – I guess Sheboy could be considered maybe a star. But, it, it, you know, past teams at, at UK, the guys like De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, um, that 2015 team had a, had a ton of guys who were very good players. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Willie Colley-Stein was a great college player. And then, of course, you can go back to even the year before that, Julius Randle. Like, there was always kind of a big name who's still around in the NBA. I don't think this team is going to have that, but as a college basketball team, they, they've been pretty well and they're definitely, definitely much better uh, than what Kentucky put out there last season. I wanted to talk about
0: Shibwe for a little bit, um, at least for Auburn fans who haven't been paying a ton of attention to him um, the West Virginia transfer. Yeah, I mean, like you talked about, one of the most efficient – forceful players on both ends of the floor Um an incredible rebound I mean there was didn't he have a 20 rebound game earlier this
1: season Seven, I think he, he had more than I think Western I forget the stat I think he so Western Kentucky and Louisville had played a few days before Kentucky I want to say she boy had more rebounds that game than what Louisville had as a team the yeah, game yes. prior against Western yeah so he's
0: and I mean he's not is he six foot nine maybe six ten so it's yeah, not like yeah, he's six a, nine yeah it's not like he's a seven foot three guy um, so just a great player, great impact for them on both ends of the floor. How much are you looking forward to? Because this might be my most anticipated matchup, him against Walker Kessler, because Kessler in SEC plays averaging 5.2 blocks per game. And that's with him not blocking a shot against Alabama because he fouled out in that game. Um, so just an absurd amount of defensive production for him. Obviously, he's been pretty much exactly what Auburn wanted him to be coming over as that transfer former five star um from North Carolina. Has anyone been able to slow down Sheboy this year? And, and what, is, what does a guy like Walker Kessler have to do at that five spot um, in order to damage him a little bit?
1: Yeah, so the big advantage that uh, that Kessler has is just obviously at seven foot one and then his length. I mean, I think that's probably the number one thing that would affect Sheboy. Like you mentioned, he's a six foot nine guy. Um, so, I mean, Kessler's got several inches on him going into this game. And uh, Sheboy is also not the kind of... Guy that you just he he has had games. I don't I don't want to just pigeonhole him or something. Like against Notre Dame, he was about the only guy who could score that day. He played very well. Typically, he is not going to be their number one option on offense. If you're just not throwing the ball down to Sheboy and letting him go to work in the post. I mean, he was. I, I thought he's improved a lot already this season. But coming into this year, and you'll see if you if if you haven't watched him play like. Still kind of feels new to basketball in ways. Like, he gets the ball sometimes, and you're not really sure what he's going to do with it or if he's even sure about what he knows what he should do with it. Um, but he's got a surprisingly good jump shot whenever he does choose to shoot. Um, pretty good free throw shooter. Uh, not a three-point threat at all. He's not attempted a single three all season. So, you know, he's kind of that down-on-the-block kind of guy can step out a little bit and knock it down. But uh, I I hate to say it this way, but it's just kind of college basketball if you follow it. like I guess what I'll be watching that matchup is foul trouble. Like I don't, I don't know how much foul trouble Kessler's been in this year because I think the Alabama game that I watched, I think you just mentioned he fouled out. That was probably not the not the best game to watch him play, just because he wasn't really out there all that much. But uh, Sheboy's done a decent job, pretty good actually, compared to what his rep was at West Virginia. He's done a pretty good job staying out of foul trouble. Um, where I think Auburn could really thrive though is if Sheboy does get a couple of early fouls because. Out of all the spots on Kentucky's roster that I think takes the biggest drop, it's Sheboy to either Damian Collins or Lance Ware. Um, just a huge drop in terms of production. And if Auburn's able to get into a spot where Sheboy's off the floor for, you know, 14, 15 minutes or something like that in the first half, I mean, I think it's going to make it a really uphill battle for Kentucky on the road. Um, but I'm, I'm not all that familiar with Auburn's roster outside of Kessler. At the five, uh, if, if the roles were reversed and Kessler were to go to the bench for a while, I don't I don't necessarily know what that would mean for Auburn. Uh, you would definitely have better insight on that than I do. Yeah, at the five spot for Auburn, they the
0: defensive production, obvi- it's going to drop off because it's Walker Kessler. He has the best block rate in the country mm-hmm. right now. Um, but their backup is a guy named Dylan Cardwell, um, kind of an energetic role player. He's fourth in the league in block shots per game right now. So that defensive presence, and he's you know, putbacks, so that rebounding, he's a good player like that offensive skill set not really there for him that's not what he even tries to do at all whereas Kessler I think is an underrated I mean he's an underrated offensive player now 20 points against Ole Miss 15 points last night he's led him in scoring um the past two games but I think Auburn fans will really relate to what you just said about Shibway and the foul trouble yes uh, against in two straight games Florida and Alabama Walker Kessler fouled out um both of those games on offense kind of a non-factor um, again Alabama two points for him and zero blocks um, so really he didn't give him much in that game and it was kind of what you were just talking about both of those teams you could see there was sort of a concerted effort to go at him at the beginning of the game um, Florida or excuse me, Alabama more so than Florida um, it was like immediate two fouls in the first three minutes of the game and then when he came back in down the stretch in the second half they did the same exact thing um, and just went at him so that's interesting to hear your perspective about that so Auburn fans Definitely be watching out for that um, and the foul calls. You know, you'd, If you're an Auburn fan, you'd like to think they'd get the better calls inside Auburn Arena, but Auburn fans just hate SEC officiating regardless of where they are. Everybody um, does. So, yeah, Everybody so it's always – <laughs> there will be – there will the Boo Birds will be out in full force probably for a handful of calls. It's always goes that way. Um, but just looking at this team at, on, on the whole, Derek, um, what are the keys for you – not trying, you know, not a score prediction or anything like that, because I don't think that holds a ton of weight at this point. Um, But just the keys for you looking at what would amount to a Kentucky win, what does Kentucky need to do to go in there, be competitive, hold Auburn down and get a victory? Or alternatively, what are some things that have kind of, you know, haunted Kentucky this season, maybe in their losses, maybe in some of their lower points of the year? What are the things that kind of you can, you can do to hurt this team that Auburn might be able to take advantage of?
1: Yeah, I think uh, if it were to get into kind of a grinded out type game, and I don't I don't know that it will. Um, when it comes to kind of execution, I still don't know. Like, like I said, AM they were able to do it last night, but AM is not anywhere near the same kind of caliber of a team as what Auburn's going to be. Um, the matchup that I think is pretty scary for Kentucky, and it's scary for anybody because you're talking about the potential number one pick in the draft, but Jabari Smith. I'll be curious if this becomes a Jacob Topping game for kentucky because he is the one kind of truly uh positionless you could say defender on this team you can really guard kind of one through five so he's kind of a luxury to have off the bench not, not much of an offensive guy at all but he's he's very athletic and i think just in terms of peer matchup let's see smith is listed at how tall 610 something like that Uh yeah 610 220 the top six nine. so i mean they're kind of right there and they're both the athletic type um uh, you know, Keon Brooks is only about six foot seven, maybe maybe listed at six foot eight. So I think there would be a bit of a disadvantage there. So I, I could see it becoming a Jacob Topping game for Kentucky. And how how well is he able to kind of slow down Jabari Smith? The problem is with a team like Auburn. Even if you do slow down Jabari a little bit, they have such good guard play. Wendell Green is a guy who played right down the road from here, uh, Eastern Kentucky last year. Um, obviously, Katie Johnson has. Every time I see highlights like on SEC Now or something, it seems like he's kind of just been great this season, uh, at least he's in the highlights. He's also probably
0: screaming in someone's face during that highlight. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, he. Uh, so he's, he's a solid guard. But I think overall, though, you just got to kind of trust Kentucky's guards in a game like this. I mean, Wheeler's been there. He's a junior, played at Georgia the last few years. Ty Ty, I think probably long-term out of anybody who might have a lengthy NBA career, it's probably him uh, on either one of these teams. So if he can kind of step up and and be that like calming force and and have a pretty good game. I just think this is one of those games, at least this is what I'm hoping, hoping for, Nathan, where both these teams are just super locked in. And it's, you just kind of get both teams' best game. That's what I hope for. You know how officiating can go on the road. I mean, it can – for either team. I mean, it, you could get a couple calls to go here away and kind of swing the – potentially swing a whole half or things like that. I mean, Tata had foul trouble last night. and UK tried to to navigate more or less a whole half without him. And – uh this is a deeper Kentucky team than what it has been, but still probably not good enough to be on the road and go with that one of its best players for, you know, 15 minutes or so. But, um, you know, you need Chiba to be big. I mean, you can't let Kessler – you mentioned those five blocks per game. Like, you, you've got to be able to get some production near the rim. And I thought they struggled with that a little bit last night against Texas AM. and m um, but I, this is a tough matchup. I mean, I wish that this would have been one of those years where Auburn could come back to Rob, where he could get, you know, Same, two matchups yeah. in the regular season and then potentially see them again. Um, in Nashville, or I guess it's in Tampa this year for the SEC tournament. Oh, yeah.
0: I said Nashville. Yeah, you're right. Makes a yeah. random, random pit stop for no reason
1: at all down there. Uh, yeah. So this will be, uh, I think it'll be a really fun game. Um, 1 p.m. I mean, you don't have to wait a long or well, 1 p.m. Eastern now, Central for most of the listeners, probably listen to this. So, I mean, you don't have to wait very long to on this day to, to kind of see these two teams play. But I'm just excited to kind of just see the talent on the floor. I mean, Jabari Smith, Tata Washington, two guys would probably go lottery. Uh, like I mentioned, Smith might be the number one overall pick. Um, and then you have other guys that are just very, very good college basketball players. So, wish I had a little bit more insight to give you. Uh, I just don't, I just don't love talking about other teams as much as I, I just don't see them play, you know, and I don't want to say something silly where people say, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But for UK, I mean, if they're going to win, I think it's going to be because because the guards have a good night. I just don't see Boy having a huge game. Uh, if he can rebound and kind of do that, then they'll probably be – they'll probably take that from him if he can get, you know, 14, 15 rebounds like he normally has. But I think, you know, Ty-Ty is probably the key – or Grady hitting open threes. Um, I just think there's enough firepower back there to keep up. Obviously, they've they've been one of the best offensive teams this season, but I understand Auburn's defensive challenge. I mean, they're top ten in Ken Palm, and because of that, uh, I don't know who I would even pick, honestly. I mean, I think it's this has been a very hard place for Kentucky or anybody really to win the last few years. So, if Kentucky is going to win, they're going to have to play, you know, probably their A game versus what they just put out last night. If, If they play the way they did last night, they won't have a chance to win this game. Yeah.
0: And by the way, that's exactly, that's exactly what we want. Um, just a lot of info on Kentucky Auburn fans have reached the point now um, sort of the peak of their basketball fandom where they know everything there is to know about their team. They don't, they, they've got it down um, at this point. So yeah, that guard, the guard matchups in the backcourt going to be really big t- Think Talking about a guy like Wheeler, that's a cool matchup for him to go against Katie Johnson, but obviously both of them former teammates at Georgia, Ty Ty Washington is a guy Auburn wanted badly on the recruiting trail um, to be a replacement for Sharif Cooper. And so he'll be going against likely Zepp Jasper, who is a transfer from uh, the College of Charleston, one of the best defensive players. You look at his stop rate, it's just absurd. Him and Kessler are easily Auburn's two best defensive players on the inside and outside. So lots of really fun matchups to get into. This should be, and like we talked about at the beginning, just a little bit, this doesn't matter right now. Um, but we talked to Blake Lovell on the podcast earlier this week, and you know he said, Shibwe, obviously, you know, like you said, he's one of the best players in the entire country. But after him, in terms of player of the year in the conference, Jabari Smith, and really nobody else has has a you know has done much to kind of get into that upper crust at this moment. Now it's still early in the season, but be interesting to see that kind of a matchup. You know, could Jabari Smith you know score twenty eight or something like that and make a big name for himself? So, going to be an awesome game, like you said. I hope everybody brings their A game, and it's just a, a clash of the Titans, is what Bruce Pearl called it um, yesterday. So, Derek, thanks so much for joining us today on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Please do let us know where we can go. Um, to find y'all stuff because, like I said, Auburn fans—they're all in right now. They would probably love to go read some more about Kentucky. So, where can we? Uh, where can we read y'all stuff about Calipari's team?
1: Yeah, you can find uh, our work at catspaws.com. Um, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, it's at Derek S Terry. Uh, I think Calipari's press conference is on Friday before they fly down to Auburn. So I understand Pearls is here pretty shortly, but Kentucky we'll probably won't get too much from Cal until tomorrow.
0: Gotcha. That sounds good. Well. Really looking forward to the matchup on Saturday again. Um, Derek, thanks so much for joining us. If you guys liked this edition um, of the podcast, please leave us a five-star review. That's the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find them on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, everybody enjoy the rest of the week. And if we don't talk to you all until after the game, enjoy the game on Saturday.